Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. So a supermodel walks into a London bar in the early 80s, and while this sounds like the setup for a classic bar joke, this is actually the origin story of a beloved modern classic cocktail. Now, thankfully for that model, who is in need of the dual buzz of caffeine and alcohol, the gentleman working behind the bar and from whom she ordered a drink happened to be Dick Bradsell, a legend on the London bar scene. And the drink that he came up with on the fly was the one that we know and now love as the espresso martini. Whether you're flicking through hashtag drinkstagram or perusing the menu of pretty much any local bar these days, it won't take long before you come across an espresso martini. This thing is trending hard. And before you approach making one for yourself, you might want to consider a couple of questions. Is vodka really the best base spirit for this shaken, spiked coffee? And on the topic of coffee, do we go espresso, cold brew, or a cheeky little java liqueur? Perhaps some combination of the three. Answering those questions today, we have Lauren Paler, a nationally renowned mixologist and writer, and the owner of Focus on Health, a company that advocates for health and wellness in the food and beverage sector. As Lauren puts it, when you're working in a professional setting, the espresso martini is not a drink that you want to get behind on, especially given its current popularity. And you know what else you don't want to get caught sleeping on? Well, that'd be your weekly dose of higher proof education, otherwise known as, you know what it is, listener. Perfect. This is the Cocktail College podcast, and today we are joined by Lauren Paler. We are talking the vodka espresso, or as it's better known these days, the espresso martini. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Excited to chat all things espresso martini. And what a great time it is for that too. This drink, this cocktail absolutely having a moment these days enjoying a second if not third spell in the sun we're going to get into why we think that is but before we do let's have a little refresher here can you start today by telling us what makes the espresso martini a notable cocktail and can you maybe dive into some of the history known history of this drink for us for sure. You know, it's funny um, in regards to its history. Uh, it has a relatively short history. Um, it's first believed to have been made in the early 80s by a London bartender um, whose name is Dick Bradzel. And according to this gentleman, um, a famous model entered the Soho Brasserie where he worked and asked him to brew a drink that would, quote unquote, wake them up. So um, that was really how it was started. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think any of us now grabbing coffee, espresso, throwing it in a drink, it's a, a rather easy thing to kind of integrate into what we do in a day to day. But um, at the time, any cocktail served in a V-shaped glass was known as a martini. So it was later um, renamed uh, the espresso martini. Uh, and, you know, it 
very, very soon, you know, became a very popular drink. And this resurgence that we're experiencing now is quite interesting. Um, And we're seeing a lot of that, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly or entirely sure why that is. Um, I think that we have, you know, the last two years, we've had a lot of time to maybe spend in placing ourselves in a, a, a position where we can appreciate these classic uh, or modern classic cocktails. Um, but yeah, every bar I go to, it's either on the menu or it's something that's offered, which I think is pretty awesome. I'm seeing it everywhere these days. And I think it is, it's so interesting. Um, there are, in, in terms of the modern day popularity, I think we can dive into to one or two different theories perhaps, or, you know, just try and confirm the fact that it is, yeah, actually this is trending just to, to wind back a second into the history there, um, not sure whether how you feel about perhaps the second part of the quote when it when it comes or the supposed quote right a drink that might wake them up and then uh, maybe we can bleep this out but then fuck them up. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting to there's this discussion over oh who is the model who is the supermodel that asked for it. A lot of people say it was Naomi Campbell or it was Kate Moss. I think it's interesting that Dick never revealed who it was. I think that's quite nice of him and also maintains the mystique of the drink. If you, and and again, this isn't one where we're like, this is the year that it first appeared. Most, most counts say it was the early 80s, right? I did look on Wikipedia earlier. And if it, if we are talking like 83, 84, I think that Kate Moss would have been about 10 years old at the time and Naomi Campbell 15. So I think we can count them out of the running. What do you think? Well, I'd say so. i say so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the drinking age is, of course, slightly younger over there than here in the States, but I think even 10, 15, that's that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's always interesting, you know, and we we can look at the, even the story of the Tom Collins and how that kind of derived. And it's always like, hmm, is this really the story associated with this cocktail? And I guess, you know, that's kind of the beauty of it. We ne- we'll never really know, right? Yeah, I, I like that. And I, I do like the fact that, as I said, Dick never revealed who that was, just in terms of the story, but also the supermodel themselves. I don't think that maybe they, that's something they want to be questioned or every time a journalist these days wants to write an article about the espresso martini they get a a, a request for an interview like do you remember this one random night in 1983 when you said something like i can't remember what i said when i was at a bar last night so i think that's pretty (laughs) tough yeah i hear you there i hear you there it is it is interesting though um i think the one of the most amazing things about these modern classics is that everyone's doing them so differently um you know, DC, I think, is like such a melting pot in that there's so many cultures integrated into um, the types of bars and restaurants we have. And so, you know, I'll go one place and there's a spice forward, uh, you know, uh, variation on the espresso martini or more of like a modern classic, really mm-hmm. paying to how it was originally developed and derived or and then I'll go somewhere else and it's completely different. So the versatility that you have utilizing those ingredients is quite nice. 
And I think this is something too that we can dive into a little bit later as well. But one thing I find interesting is we've had these discussions in our editorial meetings here at Vinepair and some of, I would say, maybe perhaps our younger editorial staff, uh, all fans of the espresso martini, but have told us that, you know, the hack is that you should be going tequila instead of vodka. And I think that's so interesting too, speaks to the versatility that you've mentioned there, but also the fact that we're basically just taking two things that are trendy and putting them together. Tequila is so popular, um, and and so is the espresso martini. I think maybe you know we we said why is it perhaps trending now again? I think that the appearance of this cocktail is just timeless, right? And this is the Instagram age, so maybe that comes into it. Oh yeah, that's actually quite an interesting point to bring up, and maybe that was really one of the reasons why it came back, right? I mean. What are the identifying characteristics? It's this really beautiful, frothy white head, three espresso beans typically on top, mm-hmm. um, and this gorgeous stemmed, um, you know, coupe, coupette, Nick and Nora, whatever, you know, glass is, you know, suit your fancy. Um, but it, it is quite gorgeous. It really is. And another thing that I don't think can be argued either is this this cocktail tastes great. And it's very approachable. It's easy to get into. I'm wondering, what are you looking for, Lauren, when 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 you when you receive that espresso martini? If someone's making one for you, or you're making it for yourself, what are you really looking to find in the glass? You know, it's funny you ask this. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this conversation, and I was like, you know, what what has been one of the best espresso martinis I've had. And it made me realize, I don't think I've ever had a bad one, which is quite a nice thing (laughs) to have, you know? And um, for me, I think the coffee and the espresso, whatever, um, whatever utilizing in that regard needs to be of good quality. You know, there are so many options now, whether it be, you know, um, a, a product that you're purchasing, a syrup that you're making, or just fresh coffee or espresso that you're utilizing. Um, you know, as we've, we see with like wine or any spirit, the flavors that we get from the coffee or the espresso will really provide great opportunity to integrate complexity in the drink. Um, definitely want to be able to taste the coffee or espresso. Definitely want that velvety, silky, luscious texture in my cocktail. Um, I don't necessarily need to taste the vodka. I want a balanced beverage. Um, for me, I think the perfect amount of balance with sweetness in particular is of the utmost importance. And then, um, I'm, I'm all for classics. So those three espresso greens on top will make me the happiest girl alive. Yeah. I, 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 I'm looking forward to chatting about the garnish later. Cause I have some thoughts on that one, but yeah, just to, just to reiterate there, then you are looking for some sweetness from this, right? You're not looking for a bone dry drink. I think in certain aspects of mixology, we have tended towards a drier style or maybe even a more sour style in, in certain cocktails. Maybe the daiquiri comes to mind, but you are looking for some sweetness in this drink. Yeah, you know, I think that sweetness plays two parts. It provides the cocktail with balance because the only other components you have are the espresso slash coffee and the base spirit that you choose to utilize, right? Um, but it also, again, if you're using a rich simple, will provide really nice texture to the cocktail. Wonderful. So let's dial into those ingredients and let's start, as you mentioned there, maybe not the most important thing in this drink, but it is, you know, the base spirit and that's vodka. 
what are you looking for personally? Are you just looking for something that doesn't stand out at all? Do you have a go-to vodka that that kind of sticks out in your mind for this drink? Or do you perhaps utilize something that might be slightly flavored, like I've had uh, Sky's coffee vodka before or maybe a vanilla vodka? What's your thinking on the the base spirit um, aspect of this drink? Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple options here. You can go traditional and, and definitely incorporate a vodka. I'm, I really love a good distillate. So, you know, there are so many amazing products out there that you can utilize. Um, if you are going to go the route of making some sort of variation, really understanding what your base spirit is and the ways in which you can um, make those flavors in the base spirit more pronounced always work in your favor. Um, but if you are going a more modern route, incorporating like a rum is a delicious way to get some more complexity into that beverage um, or even a split base. You know, at the end of the day, the the vodka is uh, or the base spirit is serving a couple of purposes, right? Uh, integration of flavor, depending on what you utilize. Um, it is definitely assisting and helping with texture and then the alcohol component for sure. So depending on that, alcohol by volume that you have in your base spirit, the drink will obviously taste slightly different. And how do you feel about, you mentioned rum there, how do you feel about another spirit such as maybe, um, you know, tequila? I'm wondering whether like a, a Blanco, because yeah, this is something that we're hearing, as I mentioned before, it's, it's becoming popular here, or is that just a product of these are two things that are trending, let's put them together? You know, it's interesting. Agave is certainly trending. I had my first agave-based espresso martini a couple of weeks ago for my birthday, and I was not mad at it at all. Um, I was quite happy with it, and I think the fact that the bartender knew how to make adjustments to make this a serve that was delicious and balanced really, really just made me very happy. And was that a Blanco then? Did, are, are you aware which which te- uh, which style of tequila was used there? Yeah, they used an aged tequila, which I think works so beautifully. We're thinking coffee, right? We want more of those caramelized, like darker notes that you'd get um, from barrel, those baking spices that complement uh, espresso or coffee quite nicely. So I thought that was a good choice on their part. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think that that's where my mind went. You know, if, if, if you are maybe pouring a, a more affordable Añejo, perhaps, I think that might go great. You know, just some of that vanilla that you do pick up from the barrel just work wonderfully with the rest of the ingredients. Or you were mentioning rum too. Until this conversation, I'd never really considered whether this could be an aged spirit drink. But I, I think there's definitely some 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 factors that you can say, yeah, this this would work really well. Yeah, I I really like using aged spirits in espresso martinis, and uh, it's definitely a a newer um, approach for me. However, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about cocktail making, and I'm sure you can agree, is that we can push those boundaries and limits as long as the end of the day we're serving something that is quite delicious. And I think if you're to look at siblings maybe not like a a brother or sister of this cocktail but definitely a cousin we're talking the irish coffee right that's that's a whiskey drink that's not a no one's no one's really talking about the 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 coffee as being something you should be adding just vodka to right so i definitely think that makes a lot of sense um 
And then I think coffee liqueur is something we should explore next. I think both coffee liqueur and espresso that we'll ex explore after are two very fascinating aspects of this drink because those are the two, in my mind, that have received a lot of modern upgrades definitely compared to what was available or probably being mixed back in the early 80s. But yeah, let's start with that coffee liqueur. What's what's your thinking when it comes to that aspect of the drink? You know, I'm definitely a huge advocate for consistency, especially in bar settings. Um, you want to make a product that, you know, the first time your guest gets it, the next time they come in, they're getting the same thing, right? So if a coffee liqueur is the way um, to be able to do that, I say go for it. And there are some delicious ones on the market. And are there any in particular that you would like to highlight? You don't have to, of course, but are there any that, yeah, if you if you were going that route when you're making this cocktail that you would reach for yourself? Yeah, Mr. Black um, is a beautiful product and I highly recommend utilizing it in your espresso martinis. Um, it's really easy to work with. Again, I think with anything we put in our cocktails, giving it a taste and then um, seeing what your proportions are respectively for the espresso martini, placing it in your drink, and then, you know, just playing with other base spirits and um, figuring out which approach works best for you. So you definitely think this is one of these cocktails that falls into the camp of you, you really need to pick one ingredient and then almost build the drink around that or understand how they're all interacting together versus maybe some of those other ones where it's like a very defined formula and it's it's um, it's putting your, your pegs in those holes, as it were. Yeah, you know, with any product that we're utilizing, if we don't have an understanding of how it's being produced and made, um, how can we really, you know, s serve the base spirit or any ingredient justice? And I think... What I've realized as I've bartended the last few years is that um, I like the challenge of really highlighting subtle flavors and ingredients in base spirits. Um, and so treating modifiers in that same light is a really great way to approach cocktail making. Very cool. And so then espresso or, you know, kind of fresh coffee aspect of this drink, are you, do, do you prefer a freshly brewed espresso or are you looking for something like especially in a bar setting are you looking for something of more of a, a cold brew concentrate or something like that these days where you can get that kind of consistently consistency that you were mentioning earlier for sure you know i think it's consistency for me and um utilizing good quality products and if again that means using a modifier or a liqueur um versus fresh espresso or, or, you know, cold brew, I'm okay with that personally. And when it comes to service, say I was going down the route of, of making this with um, fresh espresso, this is something that I've always been curious about from, from not having that kind of professional bartending background. What are you thinking about when you're pouring that freshly brewed warm drink into a shaker with ice are you are you adding that adding the other ingredients to maybe bring the temperature down just a little bit before you go with the ice how are you avoiding dilution there that's something i'm fascinated by awesome so yeah i think that's a great question uh one of the things that i like to do is to pour my espresso at the beginning of service so that i have my container full of espresso that i can utilize during service but it is already cooled down um you know, there are definitely instances and moments 
uh, where in bars past I have um, brewed coffee or espresso to order. And in those instances, I'd place my tin over ice and let it cool down before I place it in my drink to avoid unnecessary dilution. Got it. Yeah, that's that sounds smart. And so it sounds like this is one of those things too, where it's like similar to maybe, you know, fresh lemon juice. This is something, the espresso is something you're happy with batching before service rather than trying to do a la minute for every order. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the espresso martini really being one of those cocktails that once one person sees it, you're getting 20 orders after. (laughs) You certainly want to make sure you have enough ready um, to go. Yeah, no one wants to be doing, no one wants to be caught off guard on that one and just, you know, cleaning the espresso machine after every run, grinding your beans. I imagine that's, this is not a drink that you want to get behind on in service. Absolutely not. That is that is a good one to have ready. <laughs> and then what about um, final final component there, the sweetening agent? Is it a case of simple syrup? Might you go down a Demerara route? Or, or what are you thinking? What's your, your specific approach for this drink? Man, there's so many options. If I'm going the, um, you know, base spirit of vodka route, definitely want to use a rich simple or a Dem. Um, and then if I'm doing my, uh, you know, H tequila or rum, I might cut back by using a rich simple instead of a dem that's not as caramelized, not utilizing as much. Um, again, with that vodka, maybe utilizing the liqueur like Mr. Black um, with a rum, don't necessarily need that much caramelization. So just using fresh espresso with a little bit of sugar. So it's just, again, making sure there's balance. Um you're getting flavors from your base spirit and any other modifiers you're integrating. So just ensuring that there's balance in that cocktail um, with whatever else you're utilizing is of the utmost importance. And is this going to, I don't know if this does save me much time in any respect, but if I'm batching my espresso beforehand, is there a case to be made to like straight away add your uh, like appropriate amount of demerara or simple syrup into that so it's just one less movement during service or is that am i overthinking things here you know i think there are instances where you can certainly put all of your ingredients in a bottle it depends right if i'm doing an event or a party i would definitely put everything in one bottle before pouring it into my measuring cup or device to shake it just giving my bottle a good shake as we all you know acknowledge any syrup or Um, Anything that's dense um, will definitely settle to the bottom of our bottles. Um, So it's really understanding how do I ensure this cocktail is still as fresh as it can possibly be? um, And how do I ensure I'm giving my guests the best quality product they can get? So I like the idea of pulling espresso every day. Um, And so if I were to batch everything, I just make sure that uh, we were in a position where we could refresh it every single day. That sounds smart. Yeah, that's great. Um, so before we walk through making this drink, let's talk about glassware and garnish. Firstly, the glassware. It's interesting that you mentioned at the top that, you know, basically, yeah, anything that went into the espresso, the the, the V-shaped glass, the iconic glass did just get the moniker martini. Um 
Am I right in thinking these days we're, we'll often see it more in kind of a coupe-style glass, a, a, a more of a curved vessel than than the classic V these days? Yeah, you know, I I really like the way the V-shaped looks. Maybe I'm just living my best Sarah Jessica Parker life. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think you're right in that it really does come in any stemmed glass that isn't a wine glass, a Nick and Nora, a coupette, a coupe, a V-shaped glass. Um and for a really long time, the V-shaped gla- glass was what was indicative of a martini of any, you know, any variation. Um, but we all know the other elements that signify it's an espresso martini. So I think the thing to take into consideration is what what type of glassware makes the most sense for what I'm serving. Mm-hmm. And your so the, the V-shaped glass would be your particular preference in a, in a kind of ideal setting there? It depends on where I'm at. If I'm working at a, you know, a sexy, sexy, like a uh, date night bar, maybe. Um, but I typically, for anything that is up, will um, utilize a V-shaped glass or a Nicanora. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. And then finally, that trio of espresso beans there just garnishing that lovely pillowy white head. Um when I was approaching this recording, I had to think about it for a second. I thought, is this the most iconic garnish out there? That's a, that's a big statement, but I think it. I think there's a case for saying that. I mean, I can't recall getting an espresso martini that did not have espresso beans in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think most recently one of the, one of the most fun espresso martinis I made had um, chocolate covered espresso beans so that you could actually eat them because mm-hmm. what a team to have this this garnish in your glass that looks quite delicious that you can't even eat, right? Yeah, that's true. And I bet some folks after maybe having one or two of these drinks have tried. <laughs> I would not doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> that Those folks are not myself, just for the record. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> So Lauren, imagine therefore you're making this drink for us now. Let's say let's say a classic version. If someone asked you for for a classic version, but using your proportions, your your ratios, your specs, and your preferred glassware, can you talk us through now, start to finish, what that process looks like, uh, and yeah, those ingredients that you're reaching for, and the, and the ratios uh, specifically. Amazing. So uh, if you're making an espresso martini at home, this is how I would do it. I really enjoy doing 50 mils of vodka or 1.5 ounces of vodka, my choice being cut of one. 10 mils of Mr. Black uh, coffee liqueur or 0.5 ounces of coffee liqueur. And then 10 mils of simple syrup or 0.5 ounces of simple syrup. Mm -hmm. And I'd shake that up and strain it into a... V-shaped martini glass that's been chilled uh, and garnished with a chocolate-covered, three chocolate-covered espresso beans. And are you, so you're not using any espresso, therefore? I'm using, no, so I'm using the coffee liqueur, uh, Mr. Black. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I I just really love the idea of ensuring that I'm serving a very consistent product Mm -hmm. every time. Um, And you know exactly what to expect. And does that still yield those same results when it comes to just that incredible texture that we're looking for, that that foam, that head on the top? Is, is, is that still something you can get from, say, a liqueur? Absolutely. So the key is to give it a really lovely shake um, 
and not one that is focusing too much on dilution. So imagine holding a shaker tin, um, and the idea is that I'm making an oval shape. I'm getting as much aeration into my tin as I can. Um, and what this really allows me to do, the same way I would shake um, you know, an egg white cocktail without ice in the tin, is I'm really able to get all of my ingredients um, rotating in my tin in a way that allows me to strain my cocktail into the glass with that nice frothy head at the top. Incredible. And and when it comes to the strain there, um, just using the Hawthorne, are you going for a double strain? Are you maybe pouring half then topping up? Are there any techniques you can you can share there for ensuring this thing looks as great as it can? Because like I said, there's a there's a high chance this one's going on Instagram of the of the drinker here. No, absolutely. If I'm working in the bar, I'm sh double straining with a mesh and Hawthorne strainer. And if I'm making this for myself, I'm just straining it with a Hawthorne strainer. I really love ice chips in any martini I'm making. I don't know why. That's just the thing I like personally. Um, but again, we want to ensure that we're in complete and total control of dilution. And in a bar setting, having those ice chips does not allow us to serve a consistent product. So um, so yeah, I'm placing myself in a position where um, I'm setting myself up for success and ensuring that the guest is getting the best quality product they can get. Amazing. And for your own preference, is this a after dinner drink? Because, you know, we're talking caffeine is in there. Is it a, is it something to start the night? Cause it's kind of heavy. Is this a brunch cocktail? Where, where, where where's the perfect home or when is the perfect home, I guess, for the, the espresso martini? Espresso martini is the perfect cocktail for whenever you want to drink it. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's really easy to say, well, this is the perfect after dinner drink. Um, yeah, it is if you order it after dinner, but if you order it before dinner, it's the perfect drink for that moment too. And I find myself ordering it before dinner, you know, during dinner, after dinner. It really just depends. I think one of the things to consider is, what are you eating and does it, you know, go well with what you're eating? Is it appropriate for the setting and the mood? And, you know, I think um, in that regard, you have endless options and how you can enjoy it. Amazing. Speaks to that very wonderful kind of approachable rounded profile that you, you, you spoke about essentially being essentially making it very hard to create a bad version of this drink. Um, but hopefully now, Folks know how to make a very good version of this drink, thanks to yourself. Um, wondering, Lauren, any final thoughts on the espresso martini? Any aspects of this cocktail that we haven't covered? Um, I think, you know, one of the most important things about the espresso martini, for anyone looking to make it in their home or in their bar, is finding what about the beverage itself speaks to you and running with it. Um, really acknowledging the... Um, the, the integration of craft that you can uh, use to your advantage. You know, I've seen espresso martinis that were fat washed and gave it beautiful body and texture. I've seen, um, you know, espresso martinis that did not integrate dem or simple and had like a spice forward element and not spice like um, baking spice, but heat. So I think the world is your oyster in regards to how you approach making this drink, but um, having fun with it and really leaning into what the story is, is the, the way to go when um, making it. 
That sounds great. And and yeah, really reinforces your, to, as I'm hearing it, your philosophy that this is, this is one where you've maybe got to pick one or two anchoring ingredients and just working around those and, and dialing in on those different ratios. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But don't be afraid to have fun. Yeah, don't be afraid of fun. Cocktail making should be fun and it should taste very good. Wonderful. Well, Lauren, how about we now head into the final section of the show here with our five weekly recurring questions so that we can get to know yourself as a bartender and a drinker a little bit more. Sounds great. Wonderful. Let's kick this off with question number one. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Ooh, a great question. I am a cognac and rum lover, and I know you asked for one, but I gave you two. <laughs> um, typically, what I find myself doing is with what any drink I make, split basing with both of those spirits, um, and they equally have a <laughs> a huge place in my heart. And by the way, just speaking about the espresso martini here, two wonderful candidates for that there, or that that split base. That sounds amazing. I I, I want to try that version of this drink. It's so good. You should definitely try it. Question number two, which ingredient or tool is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? I think the most undervalued tool is the Yari um, mixing glass. You know, I think... When we consider ways in which we can create the most delicious and balanced beverages and consistent beverages, because we've talked about that a lot today as well, um, I'm a huge, huge advocate for stirring cocktails into a mixing glass or a yari and then straining them over a fresh piece of ice Mm. so that we're in control of dilution when it comes to beverages. Yeah, that dilution control, that is that is a topic that comes up so often in this show and something to always be wary of. Absolutely. Question number three. What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? The most important piece of advice I've received uh, is definitely to not be too hard on yourself. You know, I think I personally... Um, I'm in a position in place where I certainly know that I still have a lot to learn. Um, very passionate about what I do. Um, I really place a bit of stress on my shoulders to uh, to gain a better understanding of the ways in which individuals in other parts of the world make beverages. Um, you know, are are going about serving their guests, are going about integrating their culture into the ways in which they um, they do what they do on a day-to-day. And uh, we can't know it all, but we can sure place ourselves in a position where we can know as much um, as we allow ourselves to delve into knowing. And be kind to yourself. Um, this is supposed to be fun and exciting. And uh, I think placing ourselves in a position where we can broaden our horizon and, and network and um, and really just have fun with it makes this a really, really uh, amazing experience. Wonderful words. Thank you for sharing. Question number four, if you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh, these questions. That's so hard. One last bar in my life. Um, Honestly, the last bar, and I might be biased because I have worked at, 
you know, the lion bars, but lioness on Sunday night is one of my favorite experiences of a lifetime. They play amazing music. The staff is, they're just so talented and very welcoming. And the clientele that comes in is always looking to have a good time. That's a, that's a great one there. And I, I just enjoy listening to you say that because it's something that comes up very often in this part of the show too. And it's like, yes, great bars serve amazing drinks, but the things that we often remember most about them are those things like the guests, the staff, the, the, the music and how all three are interacting and just, I guess, the general decor and the vibe of the place. And like, that's really what makes a bar and the drinks have to be great too. I mean, let's be honest, we may forget what we had to drink, but we don't forget how people make us feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Lauren, final question for you today. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you order or make? I would probably have an espresso martini, to be honest with you. Um, either that or an old-fashioned. You know, I, I really, when I think of the perfect balance um, and that could be food or drink pairing or just a cocktail in and of itself. It's, it's definitely an old fashioned or espresso martini, um, you know, sugar, spirit, bitters, and not necessarily bitters like Angostura, but a bitter component. So that being the espresso or the coffee. Um, and it really is a cocktail that just, depending on who is curating it and making it for you is going to be slightly different, but still very familiar. And I think that's why I like it so much. Yeah. I think a real, a real fun one to enjoy there. It's your, it's your last cocktail. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real blast chatting espresso martinis with you. Um, I'm going to go and turn on the coffee machine myself here and, and, and get one running. I'm going to beat you to it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, that was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on vinepair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Grinberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>